Welcome to Spiel Chicago, a podcast exploring progressive and feminist work in Chicago theater. This week, I had a great conversation with Delia Kropp. Delia is an actress and an activist who spoke with me a little about her experience as a transgender performer in Chicago and why she feels it is so important to see trans actors on our stages. I got my, my breath back. Oh, yeah. I, I, you I, did bike here. bicycle very much is the problem. I used to go out three or four times a week, and I'd go all the way to Navy Pier and back. Oh, wow. Make all these resolutions when you turn 60, and you realize how much weight you've gained. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're you're doing better than most people. Most people just make the resolutions. You actually rode your bike here. I'm trying. I'm trying. You went to MSU, mm-hmm. Michigan State. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And did you always want to be a performer? Did you study acting? No, I didn't. Um, originally, as in throughout my entire childhood and high school years, I wanted to be an artist, like drawing or painting, drawing, or... painting, etc. Yeah, oh, I wow. submitted a portfolio, and uh, they awarded scholarships to a handful of students each year. And uh, long, I, I was not a good relationship. They, this is 1974, so you go back 20-some years. Most all the professors there, they all wanted to be Jackson Pollock when they were young. Mm. And so you had a lot of abstract expressionism and colorism and all that stuff. I wanted to be a, a realist, a neorealist, which was just coming into vogue then, and they had no real facilities for that. So I'd done some plays in high school and just happened to be that Fairchild Theater, which is where the theater department was located at the time, was right next door to Kresge Art Center. So I went in and I saw uh, an audition and I got cast. Shortly after that, I took an acting for non-majors class. And guess who the teacher was? He was totally unknown at the time. My teacher was Fran Guinan who just happens to be the lead in the play I'm understudying right now. It's the first time we've actually worked together professionally, and this we're going back more than 40 years. He was a very enthusiastic teacher. Um, He wasn't happy about teaching and acting for non-majors class at 8 a.m., but I liked it, and I had a good time, and he's one of the reasons that I decided to pursue this. When did you come to Chicago? Well... Uh, between Michigan State and here, I went to the Drama Studio of London, which was a one-year graduate-level course in acting, intense uh, practicum, acting practicum. And uh, I finished that up in 1979. How'd you and like London? A lot. <laughs> in fact, I went back there briefly to try to live for six months. But the expatriate life was not for me, I'm afraid, so I came back. Uh, that explains my two Chicago journeys. One of them was from 79 to 81. And at that time, I did really good. I got into a couple of shows at the Goodman. And then I went back to England. Then I went back to Lansing, Michigan. Don't ask me why, but I was there for five <laughs> years. And I taught college, and I did a little acting, but I decided I had to be back here. So I've been back in Chicago since 85. Between 85 and 2006, those 20-some years were... I was kind of in and out of the profession anyway. Like a lot of actors, I was struggling with how to make a living. And I'd had, during that course of that time, a couple of marriages and other responsibilities. And I was finding it really, really hard to uh, to strike that right life-work balance as it was. But complicated by the fact that I was having some issues and I really didn't even know what they were. 
around 2007, I just started doing some experimenting with my gender on the sly completely. <laughs> um, no, excuse me, 2004, because it was before the uh, I actually quit the theater. By experimenting with your gender, cross-dressing, you yeah, and uh, making friends that were also cross-dressing, a few transgender, actually transgender people, and. Uh, I was very uncertain about committing to that sort of thing, but I did feel a lot more myself. I felt more alive. I felt more at ease in my skin. I actually did an acting project in 2005 for Red Twist. Um, relatively small role, but it was I was perfectly cast for it on paper, the right age and the right temperament. It was one of the doctor in All My Sons. And I had a great costume. It was my grandfather's suit that I had had personally tailored years before. And I just felt like I was in drag. It was the most disconcerting feeling. When you're on the stage, you are so exposed in every way, emotionally and in terms of your identity, everything. And you would, people would think that I would be quite used to the, just assuming a role, you know, that I've, I pretended to be lots of things. Why couldn't I just pretend to be male? But it's different. It's entirely different. At least it was for me. Why the 10-year hiatus? Um, after I'd had that one acting experience of just feeling really bad on the stage, I realized that if I was going to explore this possible, it was just a possible gender journey at that point, I would have to do it out of the public eye. I just couldn't do it with everybody looking at me so closely. And out of the public eye when you're an actor also means out of the profession, because whether you're on that stage or not, if you're directing or dramaturging, or even if you're just auditioning and not acting, you are in the public eye and you are being scrutinized and you're relating to people and you're socializing, you know, and you know this, it's, mm -hmm. you, are, you live in this constant fluid of humanity where everybody knows you or what they think they know about you. And I needed to let that evolve. So I just had to basically pull myself out of that. I came back for a couple of reasons. Um, in 2011, about seven years into that journey, I guess it would be, um, I came out completely. I had my name legally changed and I started presenting female all the time, not just in clubs or in private or with certain people, but presenting female all the time. And I uh, gained a lot of confidence from that. Just having that name and that gender marker on your driver's license for me was a huge step. And on my credit cards and everything else. And uh, almost as soon as that happened, um, I started getting interested in coming back. But I simply saw no place for myself here. I saw, no, who the hell would want to hire me? I can't play a male. I can't play a female. And there aren't any transgender parts that I knew of, really, at the time. But many of my friends were still actors. In fact, my uh, ex-wife, um, who I remained very close to, good friends. Um, she's a prominent uh, actress in the community here. She, she won't be mind me mentioning her name. Her name is Penny Slusher. She made sure during my 10-year hiatus that I attended um, opening nights and cast parties and other social events, at least, and 
I presented as male up until 2011, mostly male. <laughs> this long blonde hair, you see, I grew that <laughs> right away. It's beautiful. Yeah, and I had my in the eyebrows and the pierced ears, all of that I did, but I otherwise presented as male. That was my what my sister called my. She said that was sort of like your yoga teacher look, <laughs> sort of genderless, you know, Zen look. We didn't really think you were trans, yeah. But anyway, the, the, I, so I was close enough to theater to see what I was missing. <laughs> but also to see that, I just, I didn't see a place for myself in there. And What uh, changed? Well, um, in 2013, I think it was, uh, Susan Bowen, a, a really good director in town here, was um, auditioning for, uh, uh, an original script. And she invited me. Um, she got my name from another actress who was a friend of mine in Penny's and said, I, 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 I don't know. I just think this, this role might work for you. Well, what it was, it was a, it was a kind of a butchy, uh, strong, older woman. Were you nervous auditioning oh, for the first time? Yes. As a oh, woman? I was terribly nervous. I, for one thing, I hadn't even done an audition at that point for like eight, nine years. And then in early in 2015, I was approached by the Chicago Inclusion Project to become part of their efforts to start making Chicago aware of all of the, basically, people in marginalized groups uh, in terms of race, gender, and physical ability that were having difficulty, you know, being accepted at the table for casting. I did a lot of work behind the scenes. I also participated in their reading June 1st, 2015 of The Time of Your Life. And I played um, a couple of cisgender female roles, very tiny parts. But the first time I was on a stage and we were reading, sitting down in a chair. And that's mostly what I did. I did understudies and I did readings for that year. I kept auditioning. And then late in 2015, I was approached by David Zack at uh, Pride Films and Plays. He said, we've got this original script and the lead is transgender female about your age. We don't want to do the play unless we can get an actress that is transgender and that can handle it. How did you feel when they told you that? Excited. I thought I could do it. And it was perfect for me. It was absolutely perfect. Uh, very articulate. Um, in a lesbian relationship, uh, this, this character was, you know, kind of domestic kind of person. Um, I thought, yeah, this is fantastic. I got real excited. It would have been my first actual acting part, not just sitting in a chair with a you know, music stand and a script in front of me. And uh, they read me a couple of times, and I got the part. Kind of at the same time, I had, well, back in October of 2015, I had actually sent an email to Andrew Volkoff, who, of course, is the artistic director at About Face Theater. And I said, and I put forward to him this whole idea of I am my own wife, of doing it with multiple actors, unembedding the part of Charlotte von Malsdorf. Originally, I am my own wife was 35 roles, which you know, mm -hmm. and only two or three of them were female. And one was, one of those was trans. And But she was originally played by a cisgender male mm -hmm. um, with the idea that his dragness was part of the whole theme and experience and the that all the characters technically were in drag because wearing that female costume that one actor then played 34 male parts. <laughs> I mean, it was to kind of obliterate the whole idea of gender, which back in 2003 was a really revolutionary thing, especially for a show, you know, that won all those Tony Awards and a Pulitzer Prize. 
But I, my idea with that show was to unembed the character of Charlotta, to actually take a transgender character away from that sort of matrix of 34 other roles. Andrew didn't know me from anyone. He said, let's do this. Um, let's do a reading. Uh, you and let's get a few more actors up there and just see what it's like. So we had just like one or two rehearsals. That's all we had for this accent role and with all of these German terms in it. And uh, we did it at the, at the Dankhaus, which of course is the oh, German yeah. cultural center right here in Lincoln Square. And almost everybody in that audience was German-American. Oh, wow. You had a really big German-American. What an interesting way to first do that show. Well, the, uh, the, um, the uh, Chicago Inclusion Project was making, a, uh, was making a, a program of trying to bring shows that were cast non-traditionally, uh, to the to the audiences that would most you know benefit from seeing them. So if you had uh, a cast a show that was being cast maybe with a lot of Latino, you would take it to West Side or whatever particular to Pilsen, for example. And in this case, <laughs> Lincoln Square is you know the German American right. community here. Uh, it went very well. The director said, oh, "Okay, let's see what happens." And I heard nothing from him. And a month later, he says. Well, I'm writing the playwright. Let's see what he has to say. And Doug Wright, the playwright, was already going to be in Chicago anyway because his mm. new uh, musical was being done at the Goodman War Paint. He was uh, he was impressed with the way we had thought this out, and he realized that the idea of having that transgender part being played by a transgender actor was important. And uh, I personally didn't feel, as a trans female, I didn't feel comfortable playing the men's roles. And he understood that too. And uh, so he said, go for it. So we announced that in June. And uh, I had a few months to memorize it and get ready for it. It was the first offering of their, of their autumn 2016 season. And that show did establish a reputation for me. And I was able to leverage that into some activist work as well that I started up about the same time. It had never been done before. Never has a transgender person played Charlotta. That was very important to me because it's two things are very important in the public's perception of us. One is the type of stories, the types of narratives that they hear about us. And the other is simply experiencing a transgender person for real. Uh, we've seen a few very pretty, very wealthy ones on TV, or you know, the ones that are either in RuPaul's Drag Race. Some of those are actually trans; they're not really drag. And we've seen, you know, Laverne Cox and all these other, you know, they Laverne Cox is as typically transgender as Angelina Jolie is typically female. That is not the kind of transgender person that people need to experience. And so, for someone like me, who you know, I my my degree of passability varies depending on how I present. Um, I thought it was very important for people to start seeing characters. And Charlotta is arguably a lot less passable than me since she never wore makeup because she thought she didn't need any. <laughs> and uh, she wore just a very basic Prince Valiant type of haircut. But she's trans because that's the way she saw herself and that's the way she related to other people in the world. And uh, that's, to me, what transgender is, and that's what people need to experience.
About the time that I was starting rehearsals, maybe a little sooner, back in August of 2016, a play came to my attention that had a major transgender character in it. And uh, I had already founded a Facebook group, a limited, a closed Facebook group for transgender theater artists, uh, most of whom were actors in Chicago. And I said, hey, what's this play? I didn't hear anything about it. Did any of you audition for it? Nobody had auditioned for wow. it. Wow. Nobody had even heard of it. And as it turns out, it was a project um, by uh, American Blues Theater that they had been developing for years with one of their ensemble members in mind, who was cisgender male. Well, as it turned out, there were two or three other plays right after that. That same situation. You having you're casting you're casting these transgender parts written by cisgender people with cisgender actors, and in most cases there wasn't even a transgender person anywhere in the room, even to act as a consultant. I had acted as a consultant on the play Charm about a year before in 2015. That was a project developed by Northlight. And uh, I felt very confident about Charm, A, because it was written about a transgender person and that person was interviewed and she was a consultant on the show. I was a consultant on the show all the way through the script process and I'd spoken with the cast. And while they couldn't cast any of the transgender roles in Charm with, with transgender actors, I, I felt confident that this was a worthwhile story and it was being told as true as possible as you could get with cisgender actors. I didn't have that feeling at all in the shows I saw in 2016. I actually approached the director of one of the shows, in fact, actually of the American Blues show. Her name is Lisa Portas, a very prominent director in town here. And I arranged a... Um, what do you want to call it? A, uh, a Skype session with seven other transgender actors who had seen the show or read the script, and with Lisa, me. And uh, we had a nice chat for about an hour. And Lisa, at the end of that hour, said, if I had known then, when I accepted the directing gig, what I know now, I would have A, either refused the job, or I would have found a transgender actor for that role, and if that wasn't possible, I would have made darn sure that we had tons of trans people in on this. And uh, that surprised us because most of the contact we had had with other theaters was very much from the point of view of artistic sanctity. This is a story and it's our interpretation. We did our research. Go peddle that somewhere else. No, really. There's a lot of antipathy to theaters actually having authentic trans voices. I mean, that's the way it felt, certainly. And just look at the track record. You know, all those plays, no transgender theater artists. What are some things that you as a consultant or that a person who is transgender as an actor can bring to the role and to the process? Why is that important? Basically, I'm going to lump this into two different areas. To assume that a cisgender, usually straight cisgender man, can put on a skirt and some makeup and automatically become transgender is an insult to us. You know, and he's done his research, which usually means you found a transgender person down at the coffee shop and you talked to them for an hour. Yeah, seriously. So there's a matter of ownership there, you know, that they that that is also a part, I guess, from authenticity. Ownership is, these are our stories. We need to be telling them. We have the talent. Why aren't we telling them? Authenticity is, y'all are just getting it wrong. 
And as a consultant, I can at least help you with that. I can help from my experiences. I can help say, well, you know, you wouldn't do this, you would do that. And that brings me to the second thing, which is the story itself. What kind of stories are being told about us? And for the most part, the stories being told about us are exploitative, and they're simply reinforcing what cisgender people already think about us. We're being used, essentially, which means we usually have to be attacked and die. We're usually a, a sex worker. <laughs> and most of the stories are about the first time we change in public in the bathroom and our lipstick falls on the floor and rolls out from the stall. And somebody goes, oh, my God, there's a woman in here. Uh, picking up with my story with uh, Lisa, um, Lisa goes, you know, I know some people at the Goodman Theater. And they are making a real concerted effort to, um, to be more inclusive in their casting. I think that they might actually be interested in hosting a talk about this. Would, instead of you going to each individual theater, like I had just done with Lisa, and talking to each of these people, maybe we could have a meeting about it. And I thought, I was thinking, mm, yeah, she's dreaming. <laughs> <laughs> but she did speak to someone there. We organized it, and on November 29th, while we were still running, I am my own wife, we had over 100 industry leaders show up, artistic directors, casting directors. For 90 minutes, we had a discussion both from transgender artists and from cisgender people who had recently attempted to do a transgender, part, a transgender story. Unfortunately, at the time, we did not have time for any audience discussion, which so we, the discussions will continue. The next one will probably be sponsored by Steppenwolf Theater because they're very keen. They've already implemented hiring and casting policy changes. Oh, wow. Just since that November 29th meeting, and they're very keen to be a part of the change. Do you ever find uh, yourself at a difference of opinion with other transgender actors about how to proceed, oh, yeah. how to do things? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um and it ranges from I'm not radical enough to I'm too radical. <laughs> See, I come from a different perspective. I was a cisgender white male till the age of 47. I went from the very top of the privilege ladder down to there's probably only a few rungs that are lower than even being a white transgender woman. And that's being a transgender person of color. <laughs> and then maybe a transgender person that is disabled. And there are lots of us that are in that. I have a perspective where I understand what the general cisgender world out there is thinking about us. I understand their perspective. I understand their problems and obstacles with understanding and accepting us. But I'm living this. It is possible to bridge that gap, but you've got to go about it in a certain way. The young transgender people, the ones that pretty much knew their identity from the beginning, or at least, you know, have grown into a world already where you've got, you know, transgender people on the cover of Time magazine, that they, frankly, they've taken a lot for granted. They don't realize what it's taken just to get us this far. They want to push further, and there shouldn't be any mention of this, and no gender at all, and blah, blah, blah. And I say, that's not going to happen. We comprise one half of 1%, according to the latest survey. And that's twice as many as we thought we were. <laughs> um, we're about, you know, one out of every 187 people hmm. identifies as gender variant sufficiently enough to actually put that down on a survey. And um, that's a very small percentage of the population. Western civilization has only acknowledged male and female. They've been stuck on the binary for centuries. It's going to take a little time, and it's going to take a little 
education to 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 make people realize and for me theater is and in film if we ever get that far are wonderful opportunities to make our stories um out there for people so that they can really start looking at the world from our you know standing in our shoes you know looking out from our eyes i, I feel more committed to being a theater artist now than i ever have in my entire life i'm 60 and if I have a great career, I will, it'll be 10, 15, 20 years most. But I see all these wonderful young transgender actors that deserve a place in our theater community that are very talented and have got great stories to tell. And the stories need to be told. So it's, I feel it's an obligation on my part to leave the community better than where I found it. This Thanks for having a really me. great conversation. Thank you very much. You can catch Delia's work at Pride Films and Plays on June 11th and 12th, when she'll be directing the winners of the Pride Films and Plays first trans play contest. Submissions for the contest are currently open, and if you are a transgender playwright, you can visit pridefilmsandplays.com for more information. Thanks again to Delia for chatting with me, and thanks to all of you for listening. My podcast recommendation this week is See Something, Say Something, Ahmed Ali Akbar's podcast exploring the Muslim experience in America. It's between seasons right now, but there's about 15 episodes that you can check out from last season. And they're super down to earth and funny, and Ahmed is like the most adorable human, and it's just really delightful to listen to. That's See Something, Say Something on iTunes. And as always, you can send questions, comments, or rants to Spiel Chicago. that's S-P-I-E-L Chicago at gmail.com, or tweet us at Spiel Chicago on Twitter. See you at the theater.